Alaska. Join me, Ariane Arambura, for a conversation with parents navigating their way through the ups and downs of raising children and building families. It's called Parenting in the Far North, a podcast from Alaska's news source. Each week, our guests don't hesitate to get vulnerable and real about their own experiences. With topics ranging from military families to mental health to foster care, there's something for any parent. New episodes of Parenting in the Far North drop every Thursday, available wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news tonight, parents, educators, and students have been waiting for weeks for a major education bill to hit the House floor. It finally has, but there's a big holdup. New developments happening just a few minutes ago. Allegations of COVID relief fraud. U.S. Attorney releases indictments. Alaska's news source investigates the possible white-collar crimes. And he was Rookie of the Year last year, but the Iditarod disqualifies the musher from this year's race. And Nome, it's under a blizzard warning as the Iron Dog race continues to approach. A warm and windy day for other parts of the state. I'll have your forecasts. You're watching Alaska's News Source. Breaking tonight, education bill roadblock. Within the last half an hour, the state house stopped its work for the day, hours after breaking over the controversial proposal to rewrite parts of Alaska's education system, including student funding, governor-backed teacher bonuses, and charter schools. Our political reporter Steve Kirch has watched this play out all day long today. Steve, how fast this bill of, has moved remains the sticking point, right? Yeah, Mike, right now the word is that the House is going to be adjourned until 11 a.m. on Monday. Now, this comes after a four-and-a-half-hour recess and enough lawmakers siding with the House minority in a 20-20 vote. Now, one of those opponents was House Minority Leader Calvin Schrage. Now, Schrage says he's concerned because so much has been added to this bill since it started as a Senate Internet bill. He argues ideas like teacher bonuses, charter schools have not been properly vetted and says a $300 person increase is not enough. But House Rules Chair Craig Johnson, who helped rewrite this bill, echoed other supporters who say that the Internet funding deadline is looming and districts wanting to know their budgets can't wait. Now, I caught up with a general educator today as he watched this play out. Um, you know, there's districts all over the state looking at laying off large numbers of teachers next fall without an increase. And so, you know, it's not one place. It's kind of universal. And, you know, the buses cost more. The heating oil costs more. Everything costs more. And, you know, most school districts have only one place to take up that inflation, and that's by cutting staff. Now, again, the House is adjourned until 11 a.m. on Monday. Now, I'll be covering this tomorrow, and I will give you all the updates as they happen. Steve Kirch, Alaska's News Source. New tonight, indictments related to alleged COVID relief fraud. That was part of the news that Alaska's U.S. Attorney released late this afternoon. The feds say they are all related to an overall series of white-collar crimes. Lauren Maxwell of Alaska's News Source investigates Learning these task force members say there are millions of dollars in COVID relief fraud to be found in the state. Lauren? Well, Mike, the Small Business Administration is in charge of much of this COVID relief money, and their own report calls the level of fraud unprecedented. That's just the cases that they know about. The five cases highlighted by the U.S. Attorney's Office range from an Anchorage woman they say received $1 million in relief funds, in part by claiming employees she didn't have. 
to an Anchorage businessman who got COVID funds but allegedly failed to mention criminal convictions making him ineligible. Examples Small Business Administration's investigators say point to how nationally the amount of potential fraud is staggering. We estimate that SBA distributed over 200 billion, with a B, in potentially fraudulent COVID idols, targeted loan advances, supplemental target advances, and PPP loans. Here in Alaska, a special task force led by the U.S. Attorney Lane Tucker is taking aim at COVID fraud. Just in the past few months, we've had, I think, three indictments in Anchorage, uh, totaling almost $3 million in COVID-19 fraud. One example the indictment says is 36-year-old Cheryl Labrie, listed as Liberty Tax Service owner. She's charged with fraudulently obtaining and laundering roughly a million dollars in COVID relief funds. Among other things, the government says she used the money to facilitate the purchase of a new home and pay for a marijuana dispensary's payroll expenses. But COVID is not the only type of fraud the U.S. Attorney's Office is focused on. Tucker says overall, they're working to recover all kinds of white-collar crime money. In Alaska, in 2023 alone, in grant and contract fraud, the state was allocated over $10 billion in federal funds. If the 20% number is accurate, that's $2 billion in fraud. Healthcare fraud, same thing. Billions and billions, over $100 billion a year nationally. Uh, and, you know, Alaska has its share of that, and we're looking for it and aggressively prosecuting it. The FBI is also part of the task force. An agent says white-collar crime can impact anyone, sometimes with devastating consequences. It can ruin businesses. It can... Uh, deplete your life savings. It can, all different types of things. And that's where it's not, white collar crime is not victimless because of that. He says even things like government relief programs ultimately are funded from taxpayers' pockets. Like the COVID-19 fraud, that's, that's taxpayer dollars that paid for that. And so in essence, every taxpayer is a victim in that sense, right? Because they're the ones that are going to have to pay to make up all that fraud. And perhaps not surprisingly, investigators say that most of these cases come to light because of tips that they receive from the public. There are a number of ways to report white collar crime and you can see that list right now on alaskasnewsource.com. Also, we reached out to Cheryl Labrie, the woman we mentioned in our story who was charged with nearly a million dollars in COVID fraud. She had no comment. Lauren Maxwell, Alaska's News Source. Yeah, Dinneron Trail Committee Board says it's disqualified last year's Rookie of the Year from this year's Iditarod. Eddie Burke Jr. will not be allowed to compete in the 2024 race. The board had an emergency meeting today to discuss the situation. It cited Rule 53, which is titled Personal Conduct. It says in part, all Iditarod mushers will be held to a high standard of personal and professional conduct. The board did not release any specifics on what led to the decision. Iditarod says Burke can apply to compete in future Iditarods. Now, we've reached out to Eddie Burke Jr. for comment, but we have not heard back this evening. All right, turning on to the weather situation, winds picking up and temperatures climbing. That's what we saw in Anchorage today. Jackie Purcell joins us with a first look at our forecast. Well, indeed, we are seeing some very mild winter conditions here in the Anchorage area. A lot of that snow is compacting, if not melting, altogether. And the winds, they have been picking up. You can see those trees moving a bit out at the airport. They're out of the south-southeast, 23, gusting up to 36 miles per hour in the higher elevations. We could see those gusts out of the southeast primarily get up to 50 miles per hour. And it has been uh, breezy, not just in 
the hillside areas, but out along the highway as well. 40 degrees at Merrill Field, 39 at Jay Bear, and as we mentioned, it's been a warm one. 43 for the official high, considering that 28 is our normal, but people might be thinking we were probably close to the record. Not quite. 48 degrees, that's the record high temperature on this date from 1977. There's a look at the highway out toward uh, Palmer and also Wasilla. They reported some strong wind gusts there, kind of jostles the car around as well. 49 mile per hour winds here in the Anchorage area at the strongest and 33 mile per hour winds for gusts as far as Palmer goes, 22 for Wasilla. And here's a look at the region-wide satellite and radar. You can see that a lot of that is going to be rain coming our way with temperatures this warm and expected to stay above freezing in many locations as we go through the evening hours. Snow likely in some higher elevation locations. We have a chance of it coming our way Tuesday night into Wednesday, but it's an active weather pattern. We're not going to get away from uh, the melting, the wet weather, and this is the outlook for rain. And you can see some of those coastal areas could be seeing inches worth. We'll be seeing a high of 42, windy conditions and turnagain arm in higher elevations and also kind of wet out there. We'll have more on the forecast, Mike, coming up a little later. All right, Jackie, we'll see you then, thanks. Still ahead tonight, we're gonna head out to the Iron Dog Trail. The racers have traveled more than a thousand miles now. We'll get an update next. On day number three of the Iron Dog, teams are making their way toward the finish line. Let's take a look, live look at the uh, GPS tracking map there. The racers in front are Tyler Acklestead and Nick Olstead, team number seven, not too far away from Buckland right now. Nearly 1,200 miles into the race, the next closest is just a few miles behind them. We have a network of Alaska's sports source crews on the trail. We'll head to sports director Jordan Rodenberger in Nome shortly, but we're uh, starting off with sports reporter Tyler Lane in McGrath. Well, guys, the racer's time in McGrath is starting to come to a close. You guys good out here? You guys ready? All good? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. All right, but while these guys take off, let's take a quick look before we send you up north on the trail to get here. Pro racers reported this stretch as some of the best they've seen in years. However, open water on the South Fork has turned this portion of the course into a dunk tank. What happened, my friend? We cracked an ice shelf. We went swimming in the old South Fork. Wisconsin boys Cole Sabin and Trenton Johnson of Team 22 sending us this video showing Sabin pouring water out of his bunny boots, his sled still hooked up to Johnson's tow rope. Look at the view, though. The pair have been riddled with problems since leaving Big Lake, including an issue with a fuel pump. But despite the mechanical issues and going for a brisk swim, the duo were still in good spirits upon arrival. I had to pull the spark plugs, crank on it for I'm missing 10, a 15 shock. minutes. So, it was a good day, though. It was a good day. We're we're a couple hours off our pace that we yeah. wanted to be. We were shooting for between 8 and 10, but 11.30, I will take. First thing the following morning, Team 22 were turning and burning in a local garage. They cranked out the necessary repairs before heading out back on the trail. You can find the full up-to-date tracker on the Iron Dog website. And just as these racers begin to leave, our time in McGrath is coming to a close. For now, I wouldn't mind coming back. But don't worry, Jordan's going to have you covered from the Iron Dog halfway point up in Nome just a bit later. Guys. 
Those Wisconsin rookies getting the full experience of Alaska's unforgiving terrain. Team 22 currently the Red Lantern taking it nice and easy as it doesn't get much easier here on the West Coast. We arrived in Nome earlier today and we're welcomed by a blizzard warning and wind gusts up to 40 miles per hour here as teams continue to make their way to the halfway point in Nome. We do not expect to see them arriving here until sometime tomorrow, but the ambassador class will be rolling on in later this evening, and we are watching those trackers closely. I'm currently inside the garage that will be hosting Wrench Day on Wednesday. There will be sleds galore in here, but for now, we will have a lot more in the late edition as we will have the latest update on the leaderboards as well as an update on day three from Mike Vassar, the executive director of Iron Dog. He's got some good stuff to say about how the race has gone so far. Reporting from Nome, Jordan Rodenberger, Alaska's News Source. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Click subscribe so you can get the latest podcast from Alaska's News Source automatically. And stay up to date with breaking news and in-depth reporting available for free 24-7 with the Alaska News Source app.